This episode of Making Chips brought to you by the letter F. Here we go again with the Sesame Street education. I know, Jason. F is for forecasting. Is that what yes, you're trying to talk exactly. about? Yes, exactly. You always have to see what's on the horizon, Jim. Don't be guessing. I'm trying, man. But I know that AMT GFMC conference, October 11th through the 13th, downtown Atlanta, Georgia, at the Marriott Marquis. I was looking at their online registration the other day. There's uh, early bird pricing before September 8th. The keynote speakers and some of the breakout sessions look fantastic so go to amtonline.org slash gfmc maybe we'll see you there So I think a really good way to get started on that is to talk to your sales team. So connect with them and find out what are they being asked on a daily basis and is there any way that you can address those questions up front so that when a prospective client does come to you, they already have answered the questions that they didn't even have to ask you up to this point. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. It's Jim here from Making Chips. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode where Jason and I equip and inspire you with relevant manufacturing news that we are certain will help you in your business for today, tomorrow, and the near future. I'm sitting here in the headquarters of Red Caffeine Marketing and Technology in Lombard, Illinois, and Jason Zanger. Is sitting right across the table from me. He's my longtime co-host and friend that uh, is on this audio podcast journey with me. And Jason, welcome. Hey, thanks, Jim. How yeah. uh, you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Good, good, good to be here again at Red Caffeine Marketing. We've done so many of these Marketing for Makers series. It's just one's rolling into the next one. I feel more and more comfortable every time I come here. The caffeine's good. The yeah, water is good. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. I mean, this is this is where we learn how to take action, and you know, I, I think that this is going to be a really good episode because you know, nothing really bad matters. We can talk and talk and talk about you know ERP and CRM and SEO and blah 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 blah, and none of that matters unless you do something. So I'm really excited for execution um, to learn exactly. about taking action because I think that's the most important thing that as a leader you can do. So uh, create a vision and take action to achieve it. So that's what we're going to do. So exactly. I think I think what we we discuss is that as a manufacturing leader, you've got a website, you've got your story, you know who you want to market to, and now what do you do? Um, and we've got our great friend Julie Poulis here in the studio, and she's going to teach us how to do it. And we also have Casey Keegan. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for having us back. Love being at Red Caffeine. Like I said, the caffeine's good. The dog's under the table. We got some smiling faces. Jace, you did such a great recap because, you know, we always kind of start again with what is your goal? Because everybody kind of, when they go 
it start with marketing. They want to be everything to everybody, but we have to really focus in on, are we trying to get some customer retention and growth? Or are we trying to get new eyeballs? Or what percentage of each? Because that helps you focus your budget and your time on what you're doing. And then we really want to be aware of, we want to be realistic. We're all about trying to set client expectations is brand awareness versus lead generation. If you're entering a new market or really trying to get known in a space, you have to be cognizant of that you're going to have to set that brand foundation first before you start really getting lead generation. And and how we do that is taking what you said is everything that we've learned in strategy and in and developing the brand story and trying to determine how we can break through the clutter. So we start with a campaign concept. So the first thing in taking action is a campaign concept. Yes. And so I'm going to give a couple examples. The first was like you said, when you started this podcast, let's assume that we've just, you know, rolled out, you know, the new sales tools and, and the, yeah, new, the new website. website's up, but nobody's looking at it right. yet. And so my favorite story, and I'm sorry, you guys are probably sick of hearing me say it, but it's a brand new car. That was our campaign theme. And everything that we did around that, um, you know, we put a, a letter from uh, you on the website telling why it was important for that you did it. We developed a piece of marketing pe- um, collateral that had it was really more like a a, a a prop that you could use at your trade shows or put in your a brochure in the bottle on how you could tell the story. But the whole point and the emails that went out were all all the tactics and even the PR wrapped up to it was a brand new car and basically why you should give a shit. <laughs> so that's an example of a campaign theme. Another example of a campaign theme for somebody you know, our good friends, Christo International, who are in Elk Grove Village also. They are consultants and designers and manufacturers of award and recognition programs and products. And so we're just rolling out their findings and insights presentation and starting their campaign planning. And and we have a really, we're trying to break through the clutter there because they're up against, they're commoditized, right? And you guys understand that. They, they, oh, people, they are definitely commoditized. People think of them as a product, but we're repositioning them as consultants in this space. So our campaign theme is going to be more focused around your award sucks and here's why. And everything else is going to wrap up to that. So we have events planned where they can be much like you have positioned yourself as a thought leader on a podcast. We are aligning them with um, great places to work, employee engagement, and trying to you know, tie them to people where when it's up against uh, uh, somebody who's considered more of a commodity, how can we make them more of a consultant to the industry? Because they're creating experiences with people and the product happens to be one of the things in that. And then to give you another example, because I always like use us as like the guinea pig is Jason, you were talking about earlier today, you know, we're a company that does strategy, branding, you know, uh, technology and marketing. But a lot of people do some or most of that. So we're going to market this year, really focusing on our content being very specific to employer branding and recruitment marketing and integrating your sales and marketing and technology infrastructure. So that is what I mean by a campaign concept. Do you, do you have any questions about that? If, if not, we'll just kind of talk about the content and... and, and uh... No, I, I want to know how to pull it all together. I mean, I know, I mean, I know we're, we've been sequential over the last few months working together on the Manufacturing for Makers series. 
And I kind of think I understand where you're going to go with this. But yeah, let's pull it all together. We've talked to Shannon. We've talked to Danny Mattia. We've talked to Jimmy Maritello. We've talked to Casey before. We've had Chaz in. We've talked about how to develop a website. Now we've got it. Like you had said earlier, the house has been redesigned. The table is set. The wine is chilled. We're, we've already decanted a robust Bus- bottle of Cabernet. Cabernet. <laughs> now, who's coming to this party, right? And how do we get them there? Well, I want to introduce my favorite party planner, which is uh, Casey Keegan. She is a digital strategist and content writer for Red Caffeine. And really, there's nothing that Casey has not done in these four walls. She has done everything. And since content is um, a, one of her favorite things to do, I want, uh, I'm going to introduce her to talk a little bit about now that we have these campaign themes and concepts, how do we develop the content to roll up to it and and how do we distribute it? Thanks, Julie. So um, also just to kind of map back to what Jim just said about all the pre-existing research that you conducted. So I want to point out that all the creative juices are really going to be flowing in the branding and strategy phase. And you may come up with five to 10 campaign concepts, but you really have to focus it down into what do you want to accomplish in your first year and pick one or maybe two that you want to focus on because it's not realistic. You can't do it all in year one. And it does not hurt to have a couple of really great ideas on the back burner um, that you may end up using or you may not because you may come up with something better or more relevant uh, when it comes to be year two. So once you did decide on year one, I think it's good to kind of have a retur- an internal regroup with your team and discuss like what tactics you can work on together in order to support that and get that message out there and really start earning that position in the minds of your buyers. And one of the hardest things I think that people don't consider is content. And, you know, think about this. Well, you know, it's, it, I want to stop right there. It's it's hard to for a manufacturer specifically. I don't know any other industries. I can't speak to them. But when you talk about content, we really we really don't kind of get it. What yeah. what you mean? Content is all the things on our website. Content is case studies. Content is so. Think backwards, Jim. Think about when you get an email or you go to somebody's website. What is it that you want to see that's going to make me want to buy from you? Okay, there we go. That's the simplest of terms. And the easiest thing that I think of is, for me, is uh, in our marketing team here for in helping market us, is the frequently asked questions. You know, how can you address the frequently, you know, asked questions? So I think a really good way to get started on that is to talk to your sales team. So connect with them and find out what are they being asked on a daily basis and is there any way that you can address those questions up front so that when a prospective client does come to you, they already have a base understanding of your knowledge of what you have to offer because they may have visited your website or received an email that's already introduced them to or, or answered the questions that they didn't even have to ask you up to this point. Thank you, because I think that's the whole point of aligning sales and marketing. Uh, so, so first, hit things head on. The second thing is, where can you showcase expertise and or innovation? Where are you thinking maybe a little bit differently about something? And Jim, can you give us an example? This is actually my love affair between Jim and Casey. Um, something that wasn't very revolutionary or, or innovative per se was a case study that you and case study that you and KC did together, say that we, we five did. times, yeah. and it's really garnished some incredible results. So um, 
case, do you want to tee up what you did? And, and, and yeah. or, or Jim, do you want to talk about no, why love, that was well, a topic? Why don't you start with why that was a topic that you thought was relevant? Well, here's the thing. When I started working with Red Camping, I didn't didn't really know. And, you know, I thought case study was just another thing. I didn't know if it was gimmicky. Buzzword. I didn't know if it was gimmicky or not. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how tangible it was going to be. I didn't know how profound it could be either. So when you said, you know, tell us some things that your customers have said about you that really made an impression with them. And I, we talked, Casey and I talked at at length about those things. And that was tough. I have to tell you, it's, it's tough to think about things that you do for your customer where they're giving you positive feedback and impressionable things. So one of the things was uh, how we package our parts. Yeah, protect your parts. So uh, a, a reverse of that is uh, it's good to know what people think that you're doing very well. But if you kind of flip it on its head and it's like, what do your customers struggle with that you know you already address that you never really thought of as a differentiator or that you know that you could address? And I think that's really the story they want to hear. Right, so uh, apparently... That case study on how I package my parts, which is just a two-page PDF downloadable on my site, an editor for Cutting Tool Engineering saw it. I don't know how, maybe on my LinkedIn Pulse or I don't know. Somebody, somehow he got a hold of it, called me. That's really kind of interesting. He said, do you mind do a short article? I'm like, yeah. So he interviewed me on the phone for 30 minutes, went public, and then I got an inquiry through my portal on my online from a major, major um, aviation manufacturer and said, I read your article on cutting tool engineering on my flight from Boston to Chicago, and you are exactly what we're looking for. And I was like, oh my God, it works. I didn't say it to him, but I was like, oh, it worked. It, it really did its job. He came in, saw the company, and now it, it's it's come to fruition. I've quoted a job. It, you know, Hopefully, we're going to have new work from him in a matter of weeks. And you know what was interesting about that? Because I want to unpack that a little bit. At first, when I thought about that as a topic, I really didn't know what you were going with this for. Because I thought literally, you know, Jim Carr, he's a first class experience. I think he just likes to package things like a Tiffany's box because it's just Jim Carr. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the, um, the, what resonated. It was you were saving the money and, and value with, yes. you have to unpack that for me with uh, re- less reorders. Well, the way we think about it is, We've made this. We've invested a lot of time and money into making this sculpture, this piece of art that's extremely close tolerance and precision. Why just throw it in a box, throw, slap some tape on it, and let it go cross country via some freight carrier? They're going to screw it all up, and by the time that part, that beautiful, expensive, thousands of dollar part, gets to the destination. It's got to be all remade. So, you know, at the end of the day, the extra, I I figured broke it down, it doesn't cost maybe like just 2% more into the cost of the piece part to actually amp up the quality of the packaging material in the part. And and it resonated with this particular uh, applications engineer. And and that's what he did. And... The topic of the case study was the exceptional packaging. So you do think of it as like packaging a Tiffany's box. And that's mapping back to the position of a first-class experience in CNC machining. So that is support for that campaign. 
so the last thing in terms of a content theme that I want to talk about, and then we'll talk about tactics and, and distribution. But the other thing is what we were talking about, um, even in the last um, podcast, is how can you showcase culture and use that as a differentiation? And I like to think about this two ways. Everything that you're doing in marketing to attract a prospect is the same thing that you're doing to attract talent. And quite frankly, if you are showcasing that you are a, a culture-based organization, that could be a differentiator for somebody in a prospect. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's another content you know, nugget that is. So now you got to figure out what's the right delivery mechanism, a case study, uh, you know, just talk really briefly about these webinars. Um, videos are huge, 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 huge. Uh, but you just have to know what your audience is and what's the right format to deliver that. Um, we house it on the website. And, and then my favorite thing, and I think what Jason wants to hear is, you know, how do we action that? And that's where it's like right once repurpose many. So I'm going to tee it back to our, our expert here. So the very, very first thing that you need to be doing when rolling out this brand is to make sure your entire internal team is all on the same page. They need to understand what position you are trying to own in the market, how you plan on supporting it, and then what resources are available for them to use and distribute to their own network. Because you, re- you really never know where your next lead may come from. Like it might not be a salesperson. It could just be the administrative person. So you're saying, your Casey, that my machinist and my shop should be fully cognizant of the, the new brand that we're trying to portray. Everyone should know exactly who you're trying to be so that they can live it. Do you remember me saying everybody is in sales and I don't care if it's a machinist or not. Do you know why? Because they're customer facing. Yeah, I, tr- I truly believe that. I mean, every every person should know their story. They should know your vision. They should know your culture. They should know. Yeah, they should live out your brand. And, um, you know, from the shipping and receiving guy to the driver to the machinist. I mean, everybody because he could have a friend that could be, yep. you know, uh, make some kind of purchasing decision on parts that you make. You just never know. And they should know what research are available. So if they are speaking with someone who knows that like, oh man, I just keep having these issues where my parts are damaged during shipping. It's like, well, I have the exact story to share with you on how we can help you out with that. Or whether you did a web design, they need to know how to navigate the website and whether there could be a resource to link to your suppliers or your distributors and just showing your network. They Just anything that could be of value to your customers, your internal team needs to know where they're located so that they would be able to pass them on. Yeah, and if they know the, if, if everybody in the shop knows the why behind what you're, what you're doing everything, they're going to put that much more passion into Absolutely. You know, creating that part as opposed to just looking at some blueprint and you know being like a robot and going through the process of, of machining. You know, It's weird too. There's this ancillary effect. So Casey's probably delivered more of our brand launches than anybody but we have a presentation we go out to the site we've done it in a variety of ways where we're talking to different departments at different times or everybody all together and we make them role play to be able to speak to the elevator pitch and we give a brand book so that they have all of those research which I kind of like think that's like an onboarding like client onboarding tool but tell them about how excited people get about it's a brand so book? Or about, about the brand, the brand launch, launch in general, oh, just to see. Yeah. Often you'll tee it up on kind of where we've come from, um, the research we've conducted, and where we're trying to go, and wh- what we're doing to get to where we're trying to go. And we've even done fun things where people you know, people come to the company at all different stages. Some may have been there for 20 years, and some may have been there for less than a year. So those more veteran employees are going to know a lot more about the history of the company, while the newer employees 
no next to nothing in relative to that so we've done like trivia from um the beginning of the company on and people just get so much more excited and feel so much closer to the mission of the organization when they have more information and they feel like they're in the know on where the company is trying to go and like showing how you individually are making an impact in order to reach that goal yeah i mean we could have a whole episode just around that whole concept and you know like you said giving out rewards i've done that before too or i've given out five dollar bills to you know people that can recite out our core values you know right asked, so yeah and we've even had like leadership teams identify individuals on their team who have gone above and beyond in living their core values and that's one of our example. core values going above and beyond thank you <laughs> You know what's so cool is I bring it back to sales. So, you know, the Village of Oak Grove is one of our clients and we did this rollout a long time ago when we did the Beyond Business Friendly rollout. And what happened was somebody who was out in the field brought a business card to the economic development uh, director, Josh, and said, hey, this guy is looking to build out. So the point is, is we're all, I think people think sales is like icky, but it's not. It's solutions. You're providing solutions to to your company. So... Well, you know, sales isn't icky. I think it's it's not for everybody. Sales is is uh, a technique. Marketing is marketing is pulling them in, getting you like Julie always says, getting the eyes on you on the brand, and then the sales aspect is closing the deal, taking right, that sales right. prospect. So it's two different things. It is, but it was somebody's talking to your client. And they identified, you know, one of the biggest pain points we hear is people don't know everything we do, right? They know one thing, but not the other. And if there's somebody, you know, in the shop and quality customer service that's talking to somebody, they should be equipped to be able to say, hey, you don't have to go to XYZ place to do it. We do that too. And when rolling out a new brand, this is the perfect time to kind of reconnect with your existing clients and just showcase again, like this is a whole breadth of our services and the products that we may have available. So um, whether it's in person and showing them the new technologies available to them, whether it's a newly designed e-commerce website that was never uh, an option before, or if it's just regrouping to be like, hey, I want you to know that we've kicked off this new initiative. Um, These are all the new resources available to you. Let's chat. So now that we've talked a little bit about using your first team, you know, your team home first, teaching your team first how to do it. We're just going to briefly touch upon some of the things that you already know, but it's really launching it to the world. So you've got your con- your theme, you've got content to support that. Where do you distribute it? You know, first, of course, is you're going to email the community you have, or like you just said about if you have a list, exactly. <laughs> or we want to develop your list, um, as well as we've touched a little bit about um, using marketing automation to be able to provide this content as somebody comes into your website. Mm-hmm. Uh, social sharing it um, huge all, all over the place and and we can go into a completely different episode on social but i would say that i think the most underutilized right now is linkedin because that is where all of your customers and it's a database of buyers so i would really like leverage that use your company page to house some of this data use the pulse order articles to be able to showcase some of this and talk about why it's important and then just share it like you post it couldn't agree with you more i think we should do a whole episode on social in the future if you don't if you don't mind well but, and you know you again yeah. you know i was just talking to some, i forgot who it was in manufacturing but they were saying even in manufacturing instagram is the number one because people want visual you know aspects so so much so much to go there um so thinking about distribution you're thinking about emails you're thinking about social you're thinking about search engine marketing um when you're developing a on 
line advertisement. You need to have something meaty that is going to attract them. So some of these content pieces, you know, you you advertise this, let's say even on LinkedIn, it goes to a landing page, then you're asking somebody, please give me your name, title, company name, and you can download, you know, this ebook or white paper or whatever it is. So you're asking for a little bit of information, but it's the attraction, it's the bait to get you on online. And then public relations, um, just really quickly, you know, I think we forget that the associations that our customers go to, that's how I've been made so many friends in technology and manufacturing is the technology and manufacturing association regionally here. So in terms of PR, I think sometimes we forget that the associations that our customers belong to are a great way to showcase, I've launched a new website, I'm doing something new, I have some type of content. Um, So that's a great way. Trade publications, you had a perfect example of how you can use content to connect to that. Um, Speaking opportunities, you both know that very well. Award submissions. So, So those are some of the tactics. Once you have the content, you've got to figure out how to distribute it. I know we're running out of time, but I want to talk briefly about um, measuring and adjusting it. Everybody wants to know what are the KPIs, and I don't quickly. Want what's a KPI? A key performance indicator. Thank How you. is everything measuring out? And this is where you have to really. Um, there's too much. You go. People usually go too much or too little. So you know, overall, you're wanting to just see. Once you launch something like this, how is your traffic just increasing overall? But that's really just website vanity. Traffic. Website traffic. But that's just like they call it kind of like the vanity, how much your overall visitors are. What you really want to look at is engagement. You know, how many people are uh, looking at specific pages? Um, what's the duration? Um, are they downloading information, filling out forms? Um, you know, what's the lead source? And, and same with social, right, Casey? Oh yeah, it's it's one thing for them to follow you, but to share your article is much makes much more an impression because instead of just liking it on your page, they're sharing it with their entire network and it's growing exponentially. Huge. It's huge. I see we're measuring. So we're measuring and you say, well, this is this needs to be adjusted. What are we adjusting? So as I was saying earlier, when you can't do it all, so you have to be cognizant of your budget. So if something's not working and something's working a little better, perhaps pull back on what's not working and put a little more budget behind what you see is excelling or pivot and say your social media advertising isn't working while there's somewhere else in the social space. If you want to keep working on that platform that you could allocate your time and money towards um, sharing your brand. And also, just we do a lot of A-B testing, especially with online advertising. Sometimes you you have the same content, but you switch the headline. Or sometimes you switch out an image. We're in a digital world. It used to be you printed out a brochure and it was stagnant. Now we can change everything, including website copy. So if we're seeing that um, we're, this one page that we thought was going to be getting a ton of traffic isn't, and that's the page that makes you the most money, let's freaking do something about it. And let's that's, So that's what we mean by adjust. But, you know, the biggest thing in, in tying marketing marketing to sales is ultimately you're wanting to track the number of leads, the number of leads that turn into an opportunity, the number of opportunities that turn into sales. So the scary last kind of topic for everybody is budget. Well, it is. I mean, it's it's something that everyone has, you know, that's where it gets sticky. 
yeah, that's it, where it gets sticky. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that you know that um, probably more than we know that as manufacturers, right? And we find that in our clients that are probably like $75 million and less, they don't even have a marketing budget. I'm it, sure. It, you know, it, it's really like 100000 or more, maybe even start to have a minimal budget. But marketing drives revenue. So this is something that you just need to start considering. And I think what you're also want to consider is sometimes people think, well, I'm going to hire a marketing coordinator. Well, you also have to... Internally. Right. And we love having a marketing coordinator, but that can also be the most horrific job for somebody because you as a leader are thinking they can do right, design, PR, search engine. And so you have to be very realistic that what they should be is the glue and and, and, and a strategic person that can work with with uh, somebody else. And, you know, I just pulled up a statistic from the U.S. Small Business Administration. And, you know, budgets range all over the place. But here's at least like a benchmark. They recommend spending 7 to 8% of your gross revenue for marketing and advertising if you're doing less than $5 million a year in sales and your net profit margin after all expenses is in the 10% to 12% range. I can tell you that that's been fairly consistent with um, many of our customers, but you know there's a lot of factors that you have to consider. You have to know where you are at currently in your business, and you have to be realistic. You could be acquiring a company. Uh, oil and gas is changing. You can't, you know, so you have to know where what you can really afford at that time, um, and really consider what those internal and external, you know, factors are. But there are other things that can really motivate you. Let's say the competition. You've done an online audit and. And you know that competition is doing, you know, um, online spending and they're spending a ton. If you if you've got somebody that's going down your throat, you really have no choice but to increase your marketing budget. But I do think it's just knowing where to prioritize your time, getting used to the fact that you're going to have to. You know what drives me crazy about a budget? Before the recession, the the, the one in um, before the bottom, right? You're talking about 0809. Yes, before 0809, the bad one. People used to spend a lot of money on trade shows and print materials and and print advertising, right? But now we're having a hard time shifting people that you have to spend money on content and search engine, you know, buys. We just have to shift our philosophy um, because you used to spend the money, then you didn't spend the money. Now you've got to spend the money digitally and you can actually see what's working. You need to talk to the right people internally that get that. That's, I think that's what you need to do. Maybe the people that were spending the money on trade shows and paper products they're not relevant anymore. Well, I don't they, think anybody's doing much of that either. No. I just think it's a mind shift. I think in it, particularly in your industry, it's in, a paradigm say, shift. It's not a mind shift. It's yeah. just, but, but, and so that's what I'm saying. You have to know, you know, what's right for you. And that's all that I'll say about budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah. So I think that's, Is that all you have on I your list, Julie? I got. And I think have, that, ha, have we pulled it all together? Are we ready to are we ready to pour the wine? We're ready to pour the wine and either that or Lauren is going to cut my head off cuz she gave me the 10 minute marker like 15 minutes ago. So that's 20 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> so I think like our takeaways are just kind of really understand where you can break through the clutter and you can have a a, a market position and really just like the Cristo example is let's just talk about, you know, the industry and where we can consult on this industry or, or something that's really juicy. Um, know what that topic is and, and 
how you're going to make some content in the right format that people are going to resonate with using your beautiful case uh, study as an example. Share it with the right tactics mm-hmm. where your clients and prospects are going to be. Measure, adjust, and uh, and really just start planning you know, for that budget. So Great. Thank you again for uh, inviting us back into your headquarters and hospitality and everything else. I know you're under some time constraints, so we're going to wrap it up right now. Jason, do you have anything? I just want to say I'm so excited that next podcast we're going to be talking about a little deeper and lead generation, sales enablement, and recruitment marketing. And and as usual, we're really hoping that we hear from you and that you comment on the Making Chips blog and be able to tell us what's working, what isn't, what you want more of, what you want less of. And, And please continue the conversation with Red Caffeine at redcaffeine.com. Look at all the wonderful blog um, articles that we have that support all of these issues uh, written by the experts here, as well as um, please subscribe to our red letter so you can um, get like little nuggets whenever you want. Oh, and and I think we might even have a download to help you with your content planning too. Great. Awesome. Jason, what a great episode. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I, I get a little bit ed- more educated every time that we come back to Red Caffeine and um, get to sit down with these these intelligent people that are so marketing savvy. And, you know, again, it's, uh, boy, we don't know it all. Uh, all I know how to do is drill holes and cut metal, and you know how to get that right end mill in my hand to make sure I'm cutting that metal in the most efficient way possible. But uh, it's so it's so impo- it's so humbling to be able to to sit with all of these people for all these 110 whatever episodes we've done and and equip and inspire them just a little bit because i know someday they're after listening to this show they're going to say the, that light's going to go off in their head and say wow i remember when jim and jason had on Casey and Julie and they talked about this or, you know, one time when we had on somebody on the show and it's really humbling and it's great to get feedback. Um, I I love when I get an email or somebody uh, sends me a message on LinkedIn that says, love the show, keep doing what you're doing. I know you get them all the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be great to see, um, you know, some comments and some ratings on iTunes. Give us some, you know, five-star messages so that we can get the Making Chips word out to more manufacturing leaders. You bet. And with that, bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips.